Come, more rolling. Should I commentate on this? Olive then onto our back using that technique. It's absolutely perfect. Honed over years and years and years. And look at the state of her now. This week on Walking the Dog, I went for a stroll with two absolute legends of the canine world. It's only Olive and Mabel. Oh, and their owner, sports broadcaster Andrew Cotter joined us as well. As you may already know, Olive and Mabel are the two Labradors who became a global sensation in last year's lockdown when Andrew posted a series of hilarious videos featuring him commentating on their antics. They've had over 90 million views across social media with everyone from Ryan Reynolds to Hugh Grant and yes, even Luke Skywalker, OK Mark Hamill, becoming massive fans. It's obviously completely changed Andrew's life and he went on to write a hugely successful book called Olive, Mabel and Me and has just published a second one, Dog Days, A Year with Olive and Mabel. Andrew lives in Cheshire, but I grabbed him and Olive and Mabel when they were down in London at one of his favourite spots, Richmond Park, and we had a lovely chat about his passion for dogs, his career in broadcasting, and of course, the two female icons he lives with who've become global superstars. I also brought my dog Raymond along to see if they took a shine to him. I'm not saying Raymond got mugged off, but I wouldn't hold your breath for any canine wedding ceremonies. We did have the loveliest time with Andrew and Olive and Mabel and do read his book Dog Days a Year with Olive and Mabel because he writes brilliantly. I'll shut up now so you can get listening to this fabulous triumvirate. Here's Andrew and Olive and Mabel and Raymond. Come here. Say, say hello to Raymond properly. I know you were wondering what was going on on the stage, but... Raymond? Mabel and Olive? Do you want to be friends with Raymond? Look at the, look at the indifference of Olive to it. It's just... No, we're, we're fine, thanks. <laughs> we're absolutely fine just having him as a casual acquaintance. Come on, then. Follow Mabel and Olive. Oh, Olive's just following the banana. It's gone, the banana's gone. Will you take them off the lead? Yeah, I will once we're onto the, into the... So, have you not been to Richmond Park before? I came here with David Gandhi. David Gandhi, well, you're, this is, <laughs> this is tr trading down. Um, well, they're walking quite sweetly together, Andrew. Well, they do when they're on the lead, yeah. They, they walk fine when they're off the leads as well, as Raymond takes 14 strides to try and keep up. All right. <laughs> Look at him. Raymond. Raymond. No, he's not. He's, he's not. Does he know his name? Mabel doesn't know what her name is, you see, so. See, it's, it's coming out now, but I, I think it is. The back has rounded slightly, and he's looking intent. You know when dogs do this, you're supposed to look out for them because they're primevally, they're worried that they might be attacked by bears or predators while they're vulnerable in that position, so. Do you know, I'd feel the same, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, if I was having to do an outside <laughs> deposit. Well, you'd be worried about a bear attacking you. Yeah. Well, you would be if you were doing it at Whipsnade Zoo or something like that, but I mean, you should be worried about the police or the authorities if you were doing that. <laughs> Someone also told me that dogs always face magnetic north when they do that as well. But yeah, but it's nonsense. I've looked at them, they go in all directions, so. Come on then, let's walk. Right, so I'm going to release the hounds at some point here. There was a spell in Richmond Park during the rutting season where they're not allowed off the leads, but I think the deers have done their rutting. So I need to introduce you, Andrew. Right. Do the formal bit. Uh-huh. This is Walking the Dog, and I'm really excited because I'm with the very wonderful Andrew Cotter, and I gave you top billing for once. Hmm. And... The fabulous Mabel and Olive. See, so you've done, so you've done it all because you've given me top billing, and then you've put Mabel second. Now Mabel is very much third. She admits that. She accepts that. As the youngest, it should always be. Well, I think it should be Olive and Mabel, and then I, I come last. Actually, I think I always do that. I always tend to put Mabel first. A lot of people do that. I don't know why. Well, I know why I do it. It's because I was the youngest. All right. I thought it was maybe just the flow of the name. People just. Like the Mabel and Olive, but Olive and Mabel sounds better to me anyway. So. And Olive, Mabel and Raymond. And I've let Raymond off the lead. Good luck with that, everyone. Well, you see, the thing is, it could be... <laughs> so you know this is, this is a... 
Olive and Mabel obviously had some success on the internet and going going viral, but you know that, oh, what's she eating? Olive, leave it, leave it, leave it. I'm sorry that during the podcast there was going to be a lot of me going, Olive, leave it, leave it, leave it. Um, so Richmond Park, uh, Mabel, Mabel's off after a squirrel, no chance. Mabel um, was where the famous or infamous Fenton incident happened that had millions upon millions upon millions of views back in 2011 or thereabouts. And it was, uh, it was, it was over there actually, just over there. Uh, and Fenton, the dog, chasing after the whole herd of deer, scattering them, chasing them over the road in this very, very middle-class uh, owner. Going, Fenton, Jesus Christ, Fenton! And just getting angry and angry and Fenton paying no heed whatsoever. But um, we all laughed at it, but it is, it's quite serious because, you know, when deers are obviously, well, when any livestock is pregnant or scared, they can, you know, they can miscarry or they can be chased in front of a car. So quite often in Richmond Park, dogs have to be on leads, I think during the rutting season, but I think we're safe at the moment. And also, can you imagine, and I listen, I'm going to put this out there, I love Raymond, but can you imagine a deer, can you imagine him chasing a herd of deer? I, I presume listeners to your podcast know what Raymond looks like. So yes. I don't need to describe him. Well, I, why don't you? I can't. It's impossible. It's just, I'm not sure. What is he a dog? Is it? No, of course he is. Raymond, come to me. Raymond, Raymond. He seems to be quite busy in, in his own little world, though. Yeah, he's got a strange... Um, Shape? Well... <laughs> a strange... Size? I always say I think Raymond's attitude to walk is a bit like come here. he's going for a little browse. Yes, he is browsing. Shops. He is browsing. Hello, Chops. How are you? You all right? So, Andrew, I want to... You mentioned Fenton. <laughs> um, we should talk about this park. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot we've got to talk about. Um, but we should talk about why we're in Richmond Park, because this is quite a special place to you isn't it? Yeah it's, this is our local, we lived, um, so I was in London for 12 years with my broadcasting career because the BBC was based at Shepherds Bush and I was always in southwest London so we lived in Lon- uh, We lived in uh, Richmond for a few years, we lived in Mortlake for a few years so always very close on either side of uh, on either side of Richmond Park and when you're in London and you're not really a city person as yeah. I am then uh, oh do you quite often have to do that, just scoop him up and well, carry him Well, he's just getting in people's way and he's being annoying. I do apologise. <laughs> There's some proper dogs. What I'd like up. to see is a race between <laughs> Raymond and... Oh. What's, what's, what's your dog's name? Oh, well, he, he's our daughter's dog. All right, OK. He's got a very silly name called Dagony. Dagony? Yeah, I reckon uh, this is Mabel and Olive. <laughs> it is, Mabel and Olive. <laughs> see, you've gone for... That's it, but you've gone for Mabel and Olive as well, because yeah. I would always call them Olive and Mabel, oh, but um, Mabel that's it. No, Mabel always seems to get top billing. Is Mabel the older one? No, Mabel's the younger one. Mabel's the young, idiotic one here who's put her hackles up, you see? Does this happen to you all the time, that you get recognised by <laughs> Mabel and Olive? They get recognised, yeah. No, they do get recognised. Are so. you more Mabel and Olive fans? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, <what's> <laughs> and I've made all my friends do as well. Oh, tremendous. Oh, good. It's you that's responsible for all the views. I like that. It's good. Excellent. So what's that? Sorry, Dagony and... Uh, well, this is Eva. Eva. So she completes the set. Eva, look at your little grey eyebrows. Oh, Hello, yeah, Charles. Oh, it's lovely to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on stage tonight at Richmond Theatre. Yes. That's why we're here. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. well, they're on stage. Well, I'm yeah. on stage as well, but it's mostly about them. It's all about them, in fact. So. Excellent. Well, All right, yeah, cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Come on, Ray. Let's follow Mabel and Olive. Olive and Mabel. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it just to be contrarian. I know, exactly. No. So we're in beautiful Richmond Park, and we were just saying that Richmond Park ha- has sort of... It's quite significant yeah. for you. So when we were living in London, and again, it was 12 years, and I, I'm not a city person, this was the absolute oasis, the sanctuary they escaped from. Because you come in here, it's a huge part of Richmond Park. I mean, it's, just, it's just enormous. And, you know, apart from the planes going overhead, you could be out in the, out in the middle of the country. And it's always been, you know, for everybody who lives around here, an enormous sanctuary and escape. So, but, but when we were living here, we didn't have didn't have dogs because we were both working full-time 
Um, and this is you and your, your partner Caroline, yeah. So we were both working all the time, and there was no chance of having a dog. And also, when you're in London, I, we, you know, we thought with us both working full time and being in London, it was just too much. But we would come in here and, you know, contemplate grabbing other people's dogs. So we'd certainly just go over and start chatting to the dogs, without chatting to the owners or the people. But um, hello. Um, so yes, this was um, this was a place where we would wander around here, knowing we were going to get a dog, but just not knowing when it would happen. Come on, and I want to go back, Andrew, to pre Olive and Mabel, mm. <laughs> back to your early dog years. Yes. So you grew up in Scotland, obviously. Yes. And tell me a bit about your your childhood when you were growing up. Uh, well, that's, I mean, there were always dogs. They were just, just an accepted part of life, like furniture. They were just always there, and you always felt very comfortable having them, you know, as you're a small child as well, that they'd be just knocking you over or taking food from your hand or whatever it might be, and you didn't feel in any way um, scared of dogs or sensitive about dogs. It was just that they were just part of the family, so... Um, I think you know when you have dogs as a child that that's that that's what happens you just automatically sort of grow into being a, a dog lover or certainly someone who's comfortable around dogs this is what so if i were recording a, a podcast here as you are here it's just the it's the it's the bane of a sound recorder's life it's uh, hello oh, raymond's catching up that was him going at full throttle and he's going to get raymond show us how you run andrew look can he sprint look, oh yay! look at him go come on it's like a low-budget black beauty. It's just, come here, come to me, come here, hey? How old is Raymond? He's four. Four, so he's the same age as Mabel. Oh, oh they're perfectly suited. Yeah, I'm not sure they're the same species, but they're the same age. <laughs> Hello, Raymond. I give you a hard time. Raymond, you make it into the new book, so that, that's your... Um, this is very exciting. Um, so tell me, so your mum and dad, tell me about your mum and dad and your... You had siblings as well. So yeah, two older brothers. Um, neither of them have dogs now, though. Um, and what did your parents do, Andrew? So uh, my mother was a teacher and my father was... Well, he started off as an English teacher and then became a television director, producer. Um, so he'd do things like the Bill and Casualty and Ballycus Angel and all such things and dramas and um, yeah, so that's what they that's what they did and that's what Olive does. So <laughs> I've got to take take a break here to do what all good dog owners have to do. Oh dear! See, I thought they'd both got this out of the way. See, what do you think the kicking back of the grass over over you? <laughs> I don't know, but that's that's the ultimate humiliation when you're bending down to pick it up and grass is getting sprayed back in your face by your dog saying, yeah, pick that up, pick that up. It's just celebration, I think, at the wonder of life, having done what I had to do and kicking grass back over my owner. And they're so happy, they know they've lost an extra couple of pounds. <laughs> extra pound or two, yeah. <laughs> come on, we're going this way, come on. Um, so, yeah, so your dad was in TV mm. and... Were you always interested in TV as no, a result? No, 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 that was, and, and he had no sort of um, <laughs> answering the Nadine Doris claims of nepotism. He had nothing to do with me getting into television either. It was an entirely different sort of um, branch of television and there was no sort of connection there or people he knew or anything. And it wasn't a desire of me. I, I had been, when I was young, I had gone on to, you know, uh, you know sets with him and seen the filming process. But I still didn't think, oh, that's what I'd quite like to do. So I was, you know, I graduated from university and worked as a waiter for a year. Still didn't know what I wanted to do. And then just gravitated towards something vague in the media. But I, I did want to do something that, using language. Um, and I was very keen on sport, as most youngsters are. And I applied for a sports job. Actually, no, I applied for a news job, first of all, at a local radio station. And they said, well, that job's gone, but... Um, <laughs> And also, you don't seem serious enough to do news. But we've got a job in the sports department. I see you've got lots of sport in your CV, so would you like to do that? And well, it's interesting. You say they say you don't seem serious enough to do news, but I really like your humour mm. because it's, 
It's very dry, which I like. It's my favourite kind of humour. The driest of dry, yes. Well, that's quite a cliche about Scots, isn't it? The dry humour. No, but that's but that but my my favourite humour would be humour, would say without humour without emojis or exclamation marks. It's humour because it's when something is funny and it's written down in a dry and serious way, then it's even funnier. As soon as you put an exclamation mark on it, you're effectively telling people this is funny, which makes it less funny. It makes it sort of clownish and slightly cartoonish and a bit, um, yeah, so, hello. Um, so humour delivered dryly is always funnier than, the worst thing is someone laughing at their own jokes, anyway, so. That's not the worst thing in the world, is it, actually, now that I think about it. There are worse things than that going on in the world. Oh, no, I think that's the worst <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. And, and were, you, were you one of those kids who would... You would say things and, and adults would laugh. Well, I think they would laugh out of pity, but I think you're, you're sort of laughing. You're, you're trying. There are certain people who like to make other people laugh. Um, let's call them show-offs. And that's, that's kind of what... I think that's what most comics are. What are they doing it for? What are they trying to... Why, are they, why do they want people to laugh? And it's kind of for an approval and appreciation and that feeling of, that glow of making someone laugh. It's not, it's not entirely for the benefit of the person who's laughing. Say, I want to make this person feel better and feel happier. It's for yourself as well. The comics do it for themselves because they need that. Were you a show off? Yeah. Yes. Normally I, it comes from damage, but you don't seem damaged. <laughs> so where's that, what's that about? I don't know. I, I, no, I'm... I'm I don't know, I don't know where it comes from, but certainly, you know, when you make somebody laugh or when you're the centre of it, I don't want, I want to be the centre of attention, but when you have attention, it sort of feeds, a, feeds an ego a little bit. And you had a dog, you had this dog, your grandparents well, had loads of dogs. Loads of dogs, so grandparents on one side had loads of Shelton sheep dogs. And, and, and should we specifically say where this was, Andrew? This was where you uh, grew up in. So this would be in, oh... God, leave it. No, 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 no. What are you doing? Hmm? Hmm? Mabel, come here. Yeah, so is Raymond not usually this lively? No. Look at him, he's having to walk through loads of cobwebs that are for us just at ankle height and we don't worry about them. And for Raymond, it's like fighting his way through. This is like the Amazon jungle. I know. Well, if you take yourself down briefly to Raymond's height, it's like, whoa, the world is... Just full of blockages and impediments. Um, Come on, right. I'm still holding Raymond's poo. Well, I'm still holding Mabel's. We're just a couple of dog owners wandering around like weirdos. <laughs> they should have put that line in Notting Hill. Yeah. We're just a couple of dog owners <laughs> standing. A, standing in front of a dog, <laughs> holding a bag of poo. <laughs> so, yeah, so you had your grandparents. On one side had Shelton sheep dogs, and that was in Kilcreggan, which is up on the west coast of Scotland, about 45 minutes from Glasgow. Uh, and my other grandparents had the West Highland Terriers, who were uh, perennially grumpy and always seemed to be about 40 years old, so... Um, and then yeah. you had Humphrey. And then I, for my oh God, seventh birthday, eighth birthday, got Humphrey, uh, who was a big Yorkshire Terrier. I mean, as Yorkshire Terriers go, he was big, he was a titan. And that was to go with the Shetland Sheepdog my mother already had, Peary. Um, yeah, so small dogs when we were growing up, but, um, you know, big, big characters. <laughs> Raymond's lagging now, he's, all his early... Oh no, look at him go. Look at Raymond go. Um, yeah, so lots of dogs growing up, but, um, but then as I got older, it was, and Humphrey and Peary went, it was moving on to massive dogs and bull mastiffs, so... Um. And a lot of... You obviously went on to become a sports broadcaster, and a lot of people who end up going into radio and broadcasting. There's usually a story about them doing their own commentary or pretending yeah, to do never, DJing. Never, Did you no. ever do that? No, never. Never. I watched a lot. I mean, <laughs> my training was watching a lot of television growing up. I was... Um, no, I was never one of those who, who, set, who wanted to be a sports commentator and thought I would practice sports commentary as a teenager and commentating on matches in my head or whatever. Never. Not... A, not so it was very much a sort of falling into it, and but then finding out that you can do it and finding out that you enjoy it, and that's really how it 
how it kicked on from there, but there was never a grand plan. There still isn't a grand plan, it's just uh, just keep on doing stuff and if you're enjoying it, you, if you find a job that you enjoy doing, then you're very lucky, it's not... Um, and were you academic as a kid? Were you... Uh, I mean, I, I was, I think, reasonably, reasonably bright, but, but very lazy at school, like most people. She's doing it again, like she's found another bit. <laughs> Hello. Oh. Oh no, Andrew. What? Has Olive done it as well? Olive's just rubbed in the fox. Please. Excellent, good. Well, that's it. So, well done, everyone. Is your dog called Kevin? That's what I thought. Seven. 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 I heard Kevin as well, so that would be a great name for a dog. Ah, right, okay. Okay, I'm going to call him Kevin. That's, that's Kevin there. Uh, yeah. I have the idea of call it being called Seven. Well, it's also, it's just rather impersonal that it's, it's called Seven because it's the seventh of the litter. It's his first, second, third. I'm seven. Oh God, that's. Oh, well, uh, of course they used to do it, didn't they? But I believe it was. Um, is it Roman Septimus? Septimus Prime. <laughs> which is a fabulous name, I feel. Yeah, you see already how doggy Richmond Park is. Yeah. I mean, it is just so an absolute here. festival of dogs. I do think, though, when from when I was growing up, kids, you can normally tell those kids that are going to go on to be performers. The show-offs. Do you think that Pete, your contemporaries or your family would have thought, oh yeah, that makes sense? Yeah, probably, yeah. Why? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, whether it's, you know... Um, actually, there's a, there's a sort of strange uh, paradox of it is that I quite like showing off, but I was, I, I didn't, I was the only pupil who didn't take part in the school play because I couldn't face being up there in front of everyone and I would never even though I quite like singing on my own I would never sing in front of anybody and I would never dance in front of anybody so it's uh, there's a real reticence to show off in certain ways but there's a I, I don't know maybe it's maybe maybe wanting to um, I, don't, I don't know whether wanting to do sports broadcasting or wanting to make people laugh comes from the same same sort of source that you want to I don't know, need to sort of impress people or something, I don't know, but it's uh, maybe it masks uh, an insecurity. I thought this was just going to be a nice one where we walked the dogs and talked about how fluffy dogs are, and it's becoming, <laughs> it's becoming psychoanalysis. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I'm, I could go on about how miserable I am, but it's probably best <laughs> not to do that, just let, you let people... You don't seem miserable, you seem very... No, I, I um, yes, I'm a... A little bit, um, a little bit of a, a bleak pessimist. So maybe that's why you get Labradors because they are the <laughs> ultimate optimists and they can counterbalance it. <laughs> um. And you, you went on to become a very successful sports commentator and, and a broadcaster, didn't you? Uh, far be it from me to say, Emily. But uh, well, I'll take the question mark off it. Well, I mean, in terms of sports broadcast, yes, I suppose that if you're doing the events and doing them on the BBC then yes, that would probably be seen as being quite successful in doing the major events. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I've enjoyed doing it. I'm talking quite a lot in the past tense. I've enjoyed doing it, but it really <laughs> is time to hang up the microphone and go and become a mountain well, guide somewhere. Uh, and did you look at someone like Des Lynham, who I suppose for my generation, hmm. and we're a similar generation, I, I yeah, guess, it was, yeah. the, uh, it was the first time that I would think, oh, Oh, he's really funny as well. You know, there was a sort of wry yeah. element to it. Was that something? Well, I always admired, I always loved watching him, but I, I wasn't, you know, wanting to be a presenter or a sports presenter. So watching him, you, but you just admired the way he did things and made it look so easy. And when you're young, you don't quite realise what sort of talkback's going on in the, the ears as well, the things you're having to cope with to make it look so easy is the great skill to make it look, um, you know, to make yourself look relaxed as you're doing it. Um, but yeah, he was very much of my vintage growing up, him and uh, David Coleman and, and people like that. And But I, I never at any point, and listening to the commentators, Bill McLaren or Peter Alice, never at any point thought, I want to do that, I want to work with them or I want to follow them. And as I say, it's just, it has happened that way. But um, 
I think there is, there is, once you start to do the job, then you start to feel more of the sort of privilege and honour of it and why you want to do it and you want to do it well because, because it is a privilege and you're sitting in the seat that all these great broadcasters have sat in and you're also, you are the accompaniment to all these millions of people watching these sporting events. So mm. that's a huge privilege not to ruin, not mm. to ruin mm. it, first of all. You shouldn't be in that position if you're going to ruin it for people. But to, if you can in any way enhance the viewing, uh, go left here. Uh -huh. if, if you can in any way enhance the viewing experience, then you've done very well. So, um, so it is, you know, it, it sounds a bit sort of trite and corny. It's a, oh, it's a privilege, it's an honor, but it, but it is really. Um, so you just want to do it as well as you can and you should never sort of take it for granted and become lazy about it and say, I'm just going to turn up and talk because, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's really abusing the <laughs> faith that people have put in you and the fortune that you've had to get into that position. So, um, yeah, but it's, uh, it's a very, it's quite a strange job though as well. If you, if you stand back and look at it and think, why well, is this, this person just talks while the sport's going on? Because I can see what's going on. So there are certain sports that you think, do we really need the commentator? We could do tennis, you could watch a whole match. And you know you'd be you'd be fine watching it without a commentator. Other sports certainly need the identification much more. I don't know. I think psychologically, I know. For example, when I'm watching England, football, hmm. I'm talking about yeah. here. I do. I always say when Gary Lineker's not in the studio, I I only realise when he's when it's, he's not covering a match. I feel like my phone's on 50% charge. Right, yeah. It's that slight sense of anxiety I get that you... Yeah. And I think with your voice, you just get very used to it and it feels comforting. Comforting voice. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's what your partner would say. No, she would, she would say a deeply tedious, boring voice that just drones on all the time. Um, so we've got... What we've done here is we've gone up an incline that's about 1.5% incline. And Raymond is also almost going backwards now. Um, come on, Raymond. See, he must get reasonably hot though in the in the hot weather. I'm going to pick him up now, Andrew. Are you? I'll pick you up for a bit of the walk. I want to talk about Hi. the the moment when Oliver Mabel went viral and when you went viral um, during the global pandemic. Yes. Appropriately enough. Yes. Right at the right at the sort of start of it, because we had been out. And about you could see it coming though, and it was. Uh, but but at that time, so this is March, end of March, 2020. And you kind of thought, oh, there's something like uh, something like SARS or swine flu, and it, you know, it's it's getting over here, but it's it, you know, we might be having to do things differently for a month or so. And we had no idea that it was going to go on for so long. But then there was a there was a a Friday, Friday the 13th of March, it was actually when everything was everything was cancelled in sporting terms or certainly a lot of the major events that I work on because there was the final match of the Six Nations or the final weekend was cancelled and the London Marathon, the Masters, the boat race, it all sort of went at that time. And so you're thinking, well, that's, that's not great, mm -hmm. but hopefully we'll be back doing things maybe in June. So I, I just put out a tweet saying, oh, hey, I'm a sports broadcaster, but I've got no sport to commentate on. So here I am commentating on my dogs. And I just captured that moment of oddness and you know, the strangeness of the world and and everybody was looking at social media at the time as well because it became a focal point when you couldn't do things in the, in normal life so it was yeah it's it it was a sort of perfect storm of things coming together to create a viral video really but that wasn't why I did it I didn't think it would obviously go you know because that first one had 10 million views pretty quickly and the first one first one was when they were just eating eating their breakfast and you just put up I seem to remember because I saw it when it came out and it, you just said I was bored. Yeah. And it was you doing the commentary. Yeah, putting the bowls down and commentating <laughs> on them, eating it, yeah. And what was fascinating was that it became this sort of global phenomenon, that video. There were people, I mean, there was extraordinary people liking it, you know, but there were some people like Hugh Grant and Sue Perkins. That was, and then there was like Julianne Moore. Yeah. And is it Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds came in in the first one. I remember Julianne Moore and Mark Hamill came in in the second one. And the second one went even bigger. You know, because when you, once you've done a viral video, you think that's it. You've had a, so, oh, you've had a viral video. Well done, you. And you retire like Fenton to dream <laughs> of chasing deer. But, 
But then, so then when you put out a second one, which was not your intention, and that one goes even bigger, and you know, it gets to 20 million views, you just think either the world's gone completely mad or you're kind of onto something. But I didn't, I still didn't think, oh, I can make this into a, I can make this into a career. I was never as, I promise you, I was never as cold and calculating as thinking, right, I'm going to make Olive and Mabel into this brand and this thing, and we're good. Because if I wanted to do that, I could have sold out many, many times over in terms of the, the things, the offers that came our way in the, in the uh, succeeding months. But, yeah, because um, you got some really... Oh, lots of offers to do joke commentary, but lots of offers to involve Olive and Mabel in selling products as oh, well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no, don't drink that stuff. That's rank. Come on. Olive, Olive, no, 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 no. Olive, out, out, out. There's better water than that. No, they... No, there were just, yeah, lots of bizarre products, um, like home shopping and rental cars and, uh, and yogurt and pizzas and, uh, yeah, all sorts of things. Um to commentate, to do sort of joke commentary on, but I didn't want to do that because then you really do sort of sound like the mm. the joke commentator. Um, but then there's the other aspect, which is, can we get Olive and Mabel to help advertise our product? And that was very much a no-no because I didn't want, it was, it was it, it's always been an escape from the sort of, oh, more rolling. Should I commentate on this? Olive then onto our back using that technique. It's absolutely perfect, honed over years and years and years. And look at the state of her now. And uh, straight through to the final. Look at the state of Sometimes with her, it's just a scratch. She likes a scratch, but um, anyway, you're a good girl. Um, there we are, I'm rewarding her for rolling in something. Um, yeah, so I didn't want to associate them with anything. Because once you do that, it becomes yeah. much more, I don't know, there's a sort of crassness to it and it's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, everyone's got to do what they do to make a living and you could easily have, I could easily have taken some of that and, you know, God knows how many dog food offers. Well, I do know lots and lots and lots. And, but then immediately the charm of Olive and Mabel has gone entirely because it's never been about that. It's always been just about a bit of an escape from, you know, the human world. So I could have done calendars and t-shirts and baseball caps and mugs and of course all that merch stuff as well. But, um, I don't know, maybe I've been naive and not doing it, but I quite like to keep them away from all that stuff. And presumably as well, because I get the sense that you're a bit like me and that you see your dogs as kind of part of the family and stuff. Yeah, they're not commodities. They're never... And the, uh, that's... The other thing we got was, a, a, you know, approaches to make it into make it into a proper series and we'll get scriptwriters involved and get producers and things like that working with you. And I thought, that's not... You know, I don't want to be pushing and prodding them into position... Um, so, well, you can. It's it's easy, isn't it, to get into a situation where you don't want it to take the joy out of your relationship. Yeah, then. no, and I felt that a couple of times. Just a couple of times when I was making a video, I was on the edge of. I was looking at standing back, looking at myself, going, "Oh no! If you'd just done that, that would have been perfect." And of course, they don't do that because they're dogs. But I never wanted to be the person shoving them, prodding them around, and just for the sake of a joke on the internet. Because if they ever got stressed by it, I couldn't live with myself if the dogs were ever getting stressed at me, telling them to they were doing it wrongly and we have to do another take. But it's but again, that's for, what are we doing it for? Are we doing it for likes? Are we doing it for, you know, we're doing it for appreciation? We're doing it to get our own egos fed? It's a, it's a strange, yeah. strange, well, you get some lovely views from Richmond Park, sorry, I'm just seeing, you can oh, see over to the city there. Oh, isn't it? Really so beautiful. You see the towers of, the, of Canary Wharf over there. And actually, if you go up that side there, the view is down. So there's a famous view of St. Paul's Cathedral from up here. It's called the King's View. Oh, really? And it was, I think it was Henry VIII's view. Oh, he's my favourite. He's, he's got to be my favourite king, Henry VIII. Um, well, you know what I always say? What? At least he put a ring on it. <laughs> he didn't with, uh, oh, I can never remember which one it was. Oh, look, what's over there, Andrew? Well, that's called a horse, Emily. Oh, you see? I can't even see. Raymond, <laughs> um, it's a horse. You and your um, partner, you chose to move outside of London, didn't you? Yes. And why was that, by the well, way? Well, it, it sort of was forced apart. We, we would have done it anyway, but it was sort of helped on the way by BBC Sport moving up to Salford. And uh, Caroline's job moved up to Salford. So my job was, you know, I was event-based, so I could be based anywhere. But I was delighted when they moved because London was just, I mean, 
when you're young and in your 20s, London is an exciting place to be, but then after a while, for certain people, and I would be among that number, I'm not a city person, not really a people person, a crowd person, and cities just close in on you, and you just want a bit of peace and quiet in the countryside. Um, so that move came at the right time, that was in 2011. And then, of course, we were able to get, um, get a dog, so along came Olive, and then I said, right, Olive, in seven and a half years' time, <laughs> I'm going to get you and an as yet unknown dog and make you into global stars. Is that okay? And she said, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you seem like a nice man. And they've got slightly different temperaments, haven't they? They have uh, Olive, who's eating a stick at the moment. Olive, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave, leave it. Olive, leave it. So. Um, you love walking with the dogs yeah. in, because you love climbing as well, I don't you? I do love you? climbing, yeah, so... So sell me climbing. Oh, well, but, but right, but you live in London, you are a sort of adopted Londoner, where are you from originally? No, I'm one of those weird indigenous Londoners. So you're from, so, you are, so you're a Londoner, so you, you love London, you love people and crowds and busyness and so I... I like edges. Yeah, so as... As I said, I don't like any of those things. <laughs> so I love peace and quiet. So it's about getting away. So that's why you go into the mountains and there is something about it. There's an element of it which is about the, the dangerous aspect. Not dangerous aspect of it, but it's, you know, if it's, if it's minus 20, all the better. And if it's got something to sort of clamber up, all the better as well, or something to potentially fall off. But more than that, it's about getting out into nothing, space, emptiness, yeah. and not seeing people at all. Um, and, and if you've got a couple of dogs alongside you, all the better. But see, with Olive now, so we wouldn't do, we, I mean, you've done 30 mile walks through the mountains with her before, and I wouldn't with both of them. And I wouldn't do it now again with her because she's eight and she's, she's going to be nine in November. End oh, hello, there's Dagony again. again. Hello, Dagony. Frank is, uh, yeah, he's, Frank's really going for it all. No, he's given up, so. Bye-bye, nice to meet you again. See you later. So tell me, your life has changed. It seems like your life will have changed a lot because all these extraordinary things have happened and suddenly... Well, yeah. What was that moment? I know you get asked this a lot, but I'm still interested, the moment when you thought, oh, my God, this I, is I think it was after the maybe the third video which was just Mabel standing in a pond. Maybe the fourth when I did the Zoom meeting with them because by then it was such, such recognition and we were doing, you know, morning television, not just here, but in America. Um, and actually, as uh, we talked about, we did uh, Good Morning America, which is, I should know this, ABC, NBC, I think it's ABC, ABC is Good Morning America. Anyway, so we did an interview with them just down here, actually, in these trees. Um, and so uh, I think it was, and then there was a point, I'll tell you what it was, there was a point and I made a video about it, which is still one of my favourite videos, but it didn't quite get the pickup. of. I think people thought it was serious, but it was a mockumentary <laughs> and behind the scenes, behind Olive and Mabel, and it sort, of, it sort of suggested that Mabel now had a major drinking problem and various <laughs> things. But it included lots of the madness because it included little clips of MSNBC in America. Whenever I put an Olive and Mabel video out, they used to end their news bulletin with their anchor, Brian Williams, saying, let's look at what Olive and Mabel have been up to. And he was ending the news bulletin with, well, good night and thanks once again to the great Olive and Mabel. And that's when I thought this is, and you, like you mentioned a lot of the people getting in touch, the, the celebrities of Mark Hamill and Julianne Moore and whoever it might have been. And actually I noticed, because I just missed so much in the thousands and thousands of messages that were coming in. But you know, you, you notice, so many other celebrities who have actors and actresses and people who, who got in on it from America and said, I love this, fantastic, blah, blah, blah. So I suppose that's when I realised that it had gone, it had gone very strange, when it was, the, it was the sort of worldwide effect of it. Um, and then getting off, you know, asked to do a book as well. But that's the, uh, that's the way of it, and you know, as a, as a published author, that, so the way the publishing business works now, it's quite, if you're a serious writer, it would be quite dispiriting if you had a great book in mind and you couldn't get the deal and you see all these influencers and viral um, 
viral Johnny Come Lately is just arriving with something on the internet and they get book deals. But it happens everywhere because publishers know that will sell. So that's kind of why I was determined to try and you know, make it a book that would have stood on its own anyway. With it. And this is your first book was called? Uh, All of Mabel and Me, yeah. yeah. And I really loved your book because it's, it's so, I mean, it's well written for a start, which I love because you can really write. But also I got the sense that even if you weren't, you know, it's not designed to just appeal to people who sort of are obsessed by dogs. Mm. It's just, it's funny as well. well that's you know? what you're So when you were writing your, your book, everybody died, so I've got a dog. So you're writing about life though, aren't you? You're not mm. writing about, that, that's what most books are, they're writing about a subject, but that subject is, is sort of shining a light upon the human condition or life or whatever it might and be. I like, so. And what I feel about you, Andrew, and I've met you a couple of times now, because I interviewed you in Bury St Edmunds, and where Raymond stormed the stage. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. No, no, he didn't storm the stage. We invited him to storm the stage, but then he, then he, he, the, the, he took the house down. He was just, he was, uh, he was the star thereafter. <laughs> so that's when I kicked him into the audience and said, no, 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 this isn't about you, Ray. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then you emailed me recently to say, I should warn you, Raymond is going to be in my next book. Yes. So tell me about, this is your new book, which is out pretty soon, is it? It's out. Uh, well, we're recording this. It comes out in about 10 days' time, so it comes out on October the 21st. Oh. Um, and it's called? Dog Days. I mean, again, I'm typecast, I'm not I really know. But it's not, but it, this is exactly what you're talking about. So it's a diary of the last year, but it's not really short form little entries in diary. It's, you write about something that happened on that day and you expand upon it. And what happens is, ostensibly, it's got lots of Olive and Mabel in it, but you're right, well, I'm writing about the events of last year. Mm. And sometimes they're about, because it's a diary, it ends up being sort of personal. And I I'm not really keen on that, but they wanted a diary. So, it, But you end up writing about life and all the strange things we've done to get through lockdown, all the strange way we were living. And I find myself writing more about the strange contrast between the virtual world, which we were all inhabiting, and the real world, which we couldn't get back out into, and then eventually you can get back out into it, and you find that it's changed a little bit, and it's a bit, uh, perhaps a bit more daunting for people as well. So it's, I would say it is, <laughs> I mean, there are, it's, listen, I'm not, I'm not a too serious a person, so a, a lot of it is wry observations on life, Emily. But um, it's got some, it's got some sort of darker, more down bits that sounds terrible, but you know what I mean? Because we, we've all had those highs and lows of the last year. So you can't write about life in the last year no. and everything's amazing. But we all have those, and I think it's important to be honest about them. Because I mean, there was a time when people weren't. Yeah, but what's, what happens now is that there's a, there's a sort of, almost an overcorrection in a way that everybody, it's great that everybody talks about their mental health. But I think now people might, um, almost say, you know, there, 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 are, there are mental health issues and I wasn't laughing when I was talking about mental health issues, I was laughing at Raymond who was trying to keep up with Olive and Mabel and it was, a, it was a forlorn effort. It's when people talk about mental health issues which are so serious and so many people, and you know, I probably include myself in that, have been affected by it in the past, but there's a difference between, you know, there is a difference between feeling a bit sad and a bit it's all it's a different level of mental health issues but i think uh of course it's so much better that people are talking about it but then there's a lot of you don't want to be the person that seem to be writing about it no no oh here's another one talking about feeling down or feeling blue whatever um mm. because there's a lot of that a lot of that going on at, at the moment it's funny though because you wonder about previous generations who had hardships to deal with yeah. which were so much more serious than, than we're dealing with. And yes, there was definitely a lot of uh, repression and suppression of, of, of feelings and you just got on with things and that was not a good thing at all. Mm. But there is certainly a lot to be said for, for also just trying to, well, like we're all doing, I suppose, you just try and get through th things. And I don't know, there's a... There's a you know what I'm saying? There's a balance between talking openly about mental health issues, which is so important, so vital, and actually everyone just... 
I know. I, I, mean. I come from a generation where let's bury things deep. Let's just bury it, and it'll go away, and it'll come out in um, some sort of sobbing rage when I'm 80 years old. <laughs> but do you, when you say sobbing rage, though, do you cry? Oh yeah, but that's the thing. In the past year, I've cried a lot more than I would have in years past, and I'm not particularly. I'm quite, I'm quite a sort of a emotional character, but you come from a generation, and I'm not, you know, I'm approaching 50, you come from a generation where it's not seen as particularly, and particularly if you're a male as well, it's not seen as particularly manly to to be crying. But in the last year, you can't help it. If, you, if you've not had a little sob at things in the past year, then you've not been paying attention. I don't know, you've been looking the other way when the whole of the world is going on. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's interesting that we've never we've never shared more, but mm. I don't know whether sometimes it's um, I say sometimes oversharing is not necessarily a good thing. I say just uh, take your dogs for a walk and uh, and get angry with them chewing a stick. Olive, there's clinical depression, there's bipolar disorder, there are all yeah. sorts of schizophrenia, whatever it might be. There are serious medical mental health conditions, and then there are those conditions, those situations um, that we all find ourselves in from time to time where we don't feel we can cope with things or mm. we feel very stressed or very sad about things. Um, and I do think that is different to, you know, I've been put on, you know, you've been put on antidepressants in the past when actually you realise at the time that it was just that you were feeling sad and whether there's a difference between that and proper depression. I think, well, I think there probably is. Um, Mabel, leave it. Leave it. So um, I just went on to just uh, exercise to within an inch of my life, <laughs> just just exercise constantly, which I think is the best thing for combating. Um, we get so wrapped up in the in our, our mental torments as human beings, whereas dogs will just come through and say, "Look, I've got this stick and it's frothy and covered in saliva. What do you think about that?" And so you, you can't help just laugh for a moment at it. That's why they are the best. Are you quite a shy person? Well, it's maybe a that contrast between being quite shy and not wanting to be in the company of people, but the, that, as I said, that paradox of strangely liking going out on stage or liking the microphone going live, and but when when you're not performing, you don't want to. But that's not intimate in a way, is it? Which no. is why you're getting a sort of people fix mm. without feeling slightly drained by it. Yeah, you're presumably getting more people having more interaction with people on a daily basis, that's what being well-known does. Yeah, yes, and so the good, part of, um, the good part of all this is that because I am quite cynical and quite a, quite a misanthrope is that, <laughs> no, but I am, I don't, I really admit that, I don't, and, and also the past year has made, if you haven't particularly enjoyed the company of people before this year, then you're certainly, <laughs> you, you know, you can grow more. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> It's, you see, the trouble is you see so much of what people do that makes you think, oh my God, the human race is doomed and there are so many arses in the world. But what all you're seeing are the sort of, are the, the noisy, annoying people, the ones who make the most noise. So of course you see them. Whereas, um, whereas, what I've seen is, sorry, I've got to just break into this. So here's a big boy Labrador, black Labrador, who's uh, taken a shine to Olive. Mabel told him off. And now he's just basically stuck his nose into into Olive. So, <laughs> what's going on here? It's a free-for-all. Olive, drag yourself away. Come it's on. A, it's a Labrador loving. I know, it really is a Labrador loving. So, what's he's, this? A, he's a, a big boy, this one. He's American. He's American. How is yeah, he American? He's from Western Washington State. Has he? He's got uh, slightly shorter legs than a big body. And a very large head. Very, a massive head. Ah, that's because he's got his balls. Ah, right. What, his head keeps... His well, head keeps, keeps growing. Rules, they get a big testosterone head. Do they? Why is it? My I'll head's tiny. <laughs> my head. Actually, my head's quite big. To be honest, so. What's your dog called? Um, that's Owen, and this is Alice. Owen. Right. Happy to meet you. Owen, off you go. You see, that's what I like, Andrew. I find I like to have interactions with people on dog walks because they're sort of, they're nice. They punctuate the day. Yeah. But they're not sort of overly... Um, Intrusive. Yeah, but I mean, but the thing I've liked about the Oliver Mabel stuff is I've seen all the love coming back from good people, and I, I think Mabel, Mabel's seen Mabel's seen Caroline. Never. Incoming. Um, now Olive has as well. There oh, she goes. Oh, they really like Caroline. 
Well, it's just to know, they, I think, if I were, had been absent for a, a, an hour or so as well, they'd be going mad for me to look at them. Anyway, so all the, all the nice stuff, that's, this is the, the nice side of social media. Right, so Twitter and social media gets a bad press, and rightly so, for some of the horrific, horrible, un unpleasant, odious stuff that's on it. But for a lot of people, it's just a really nice way of staying connected with people and mm. sharing nice things. But you don't see the stories about that because it doesn't make stories, it doesn't make headlines. So all the stuff that's been coming my way because of Oliver and Mabel has been 99.999% just lovely messages. And also, when I've been doing this theatre tour with them and you see pe meet people afterwards, and everybody's so nice. And it kind of has, and it sounds quite grand, but restored my faith in yeah. humanity that we're, we're actually, you know, the, the, it is the majority of people are nice people. The majority of people are just good people trying to get by and do the right thing. But the trouble is when you have my view of the world, you walk down the street and you're picking out the person being annoying, the person dropping litter, the person talking loudly on the phone. <laughs> Even that annoys me. Things are not, so you, you're not picking out the person who's just going by or doing a good thing or doing a nice thing. Or being, so it's, um, it's, helped, it's helped me see the world in a better light. That's what Olive and Mabel and the videos have done for me. Do you think they're better than humans? I think they, they have an innocence that humans don't have. And uh, they're not, uh, I would say they're not doing things for an ulterior motive. They're not that bright, which is a good thing. Speak to your own dogs. Well, no, I mean, uh, Raymond. I've seen Raymond try to do the 12 times table. Um, uh, <laughs> look at him. Um, yeah, I know, they're, they're, they're I'd say they're better than humans, they're just different and they operate in a more simplistic, they operate in a far simpler way and simpler is better if you want to use that word because we're complicated and we're, we're devious and Raymond is not devious, look at him. Oh Andrew, I've really loved our walk today and I was really hoping to get Mabel and Olive together. Right, Olive and Mabel you mean? You're going to have to let it go. No, I think, well, I just think uh, that there is reckon. So it wasn't uh, Hardy and Laurel, was it, ever? Wise and Morecambe. Well, I say Clyde and Bonnie. Do you? Yeah. How do you feel about Raymond? Uh, genuinely, I, I'm very fond of Raymond. Because look at his little face. Come here. you got a little bit of something there. Hey, Raymond, look at me. I mean, look at his face. He is an Ewok, isn't he? He's an Ewok without the terrible acting. Say goodbye to Oliver and Mabel. Right. Oh, Mabel, you want to say goodbye to Raymond? That's Raymond. That, that, that's Raymond. Olive's just doing her sit for food. Olive, do you want to say goodbye to Raymond? No, I'm not interested in that whatsoever. Right, well, I'll say goodbye to Raymond on their behalf. Raymond, bye-bye. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that. And do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. <laughs>